Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 666 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. In the words of the immortal Bone Crusher, we ain't never scared. We ain't hiding from this number. We ain't worried about no 666. We're going to do the show. We knew when we, did, when we did the first show and we started numbering them, we said at some point, 665 episodes later, we knew we were going to have this moment. We made we're it. Here. We made it to hell. You know what I mean? <laughs> we made it through hell and then back to hell. <laughs> and then now we're going to get on the other side of hell. I'm Christian Piles, joined today by James Dean Raider and David Bray, the coward. Ben Asker, no shows on episode 666. Mr. I'll fight people in the cage. Mr. I'll choke you out. But you, you throw a number at him, he says... I'll respectfully decline this episode. Scared oh. of the devil. Scared, he's scared of the devil. Maybe it's just a little healthier respect for the Prince of Darkness, but I do wonder, <laughs> were you able to line up uh, any, any guests that they were talking about in terms of the, the band Striper? Did you get them? Get them I on? did not, you know, but I do encourage everyone to listen to some Striper. They were a pretty terrible yet awesome <laughs> 80s Christian rock band. Their best song is To Hell With The Devil, <laughs> which, man, I don't know. Uh, song we can all get behind. We, we, can, all, <laughs> we can all get behind that. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, anyway. Um, I, the striper threw me off. I wasn't ready for that. I, I should. We should have. That's the intro song we really needed. But who could afford it? No. Who can afford striper? Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, you can listen to that. That song's on on YouTube. So listen to it. Uh, so on episode six hundred sixty six, it's officially name, in it, image, and likeness day. I don't think that's a necessarily a bad omen. I think the two are potentially unrelated. Uh, and. The, the social media response has been pretty loud and exuberant and excited from both athletes expected and coaches are really getting out in front of it. Coach Tony Roby put out a, um, a statement on Twitter. Um, I'm going to read it now as soon as it pulls up for me. Virginia Tech Wrestling is committed to preparing our current and future student athletes to maximize their potential opportunities, connect their name, image, and likeness. Our goal is to empower our student athletes with the knowledge and resources necessary to build their personal brands, seek out business opportunities, and align themselves with companies that share their values. Tony Roby. Exciting stuff, and I think this is something we're going to see as uh, time time goes on, The how the stats lean into this and learn how to use this as a recruiting advantage is important. I do, although I do think, I don't know, par- part of me is uh, curious, just the... What is the actual impact? How much? I mean, I don't think there's going to be many guys making serious, serious money here. But I think they're just trying to get out in front. That, that they're going to be supportive of it. But the reality is, there's not many. I don't think there's many athletes that can make real meaningful money. We had we had an FRL question that was basically like, "Hey, how would uh, how would NIL affect athletes at the Ivies and other institutions that aren't fully funded and they rely on need based aid?" Like the idea now for someone like you definitely aren't paying a. <laughs> for an Ivy League degree, <laughs> well, right, with your um, royalties. Yeah, I mean, it's just the the number of the student athletes that are going to be able to make the kind of money that is going to literally change your financial aid. For I, I just think that's very small. Maybe maybe in other sports, maybe I don't know, but in wrestling, I mean, maybe Yanni, right? Maybe Vito, I don't know, but 
I, I think it's going to be so few and far between that it's going to, I don't, I don't see that as an obstacle potentially. I don't see, I don't see anyone making so much money that they literally don't require financial aid anymore. Right. Um, now dare, to, dare to dream, but uh, I, I don't, I just don't see that it being it's, that. And it's also like, um, what then? You, say you make so athlete X is able to make. Fifty thousand dollars a year through endorsements or whatever. What? So now you just are like, okay, now that'll go towards my degree. No, you still want financial aid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then want spending money. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's interesting because um, financial aid is is tied up in how much your parents make, but this would be how much right you are making. Uh, but I don't see it's gonna. I don't see it having that large of an impact. Now we'll see. I don't know. Mike Poeta says they're open for business. Jaden Ironman, he's been, you know, he was talking about July 1st for a little bit. He put out a post um, that he he's able, he's very excited for the opportunity. He's ready for it. Bo Bartlett, um, wrestling's, wrestling's favorite uh, editor, f- f- uh, photo editor, design logo guy. And Barber. Barber? Is that right? Yeah. Um, Bo Barber, huh? Yeah. Bo, Bo knows barbering. Does he really? He Yeah, he was... Uh, Do you think he cuts his own hair? Uh, that's tricky. That's the Maybe. sign of a true craftsman. Yes. That's, yeah. that's a man's man. He was cutting up uh, Aaron Brooks on Instagram. Okay. Last night, though. And, you know, he did a decent job. This guy's got a lot of skills. Yeah. Very diversifying. Um, okay, so... Um, Curious for y'all's thoughts on on the reaction. Everyone seems really excited about this. Yeah, you should be. It's long overdue. <laughs> like, this is kind of a no brainer. Athletes, this should have happened a long time ago. It's ridiculous that athletes at one point weren't able to make money off their name, image, and likeness. So. What What do you think the opportunities would have been for you at Nebraska Kearney Ooh. had this bit, this legislation been in place? Uh, I, I don't think I'd be working here, you know, I'd be <laughs> making the well, big bucks down in Mexico. <laughs> Dang. Uh, I, I had a conversation with Mike Mal about this and a point that he made that I, that I hadn't thought about a lot was he's like, man, if, if there was this big desire to pay athletes, it would already be happening with the, the guys that graduate with the senior level guys. If there was this like big push to, to get these endorsement deals for wrestlers, then it would already be happening, and it's not. So that that does suggest that at least at this point, there's not this great desire to throw money at wrestlers and and you know get them on their products and whatever. I do think part of that reason, and we've you know talked about this on here, is that wrestlers' window for their most you know for their, their popularity, the the time when they have the most eyeballs on them, is during that yes. NCAA part of their career. And so I think there is definitely an opportunity for people who are are interested in promoting athletes that are specifically tied to these institutions. I think there's an opportunity for, for student athletes to make money there. But Mike's point's a good one. It's not like just because it's July 1st and now this policy comes into place, all these companies are going to say, okay, finally we can you know open these vaults of cash that we've been wanting to spend with these kinds of endorsement deals for a long, long time. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, I This is somewhat related, not, not completely, but um, – Big Ten Network put out the the athletes, the student athletes with the largest followings, and I think some people were a little surprised with with the results. If Tyler can can pull them up, 
Um, number one in the entire Big Ten, not just wrestling, all sports, Gable Dan Stevenson. The number two, a gymnast named Michael Giroux. Do we know why he's very popular? I couldn't tell you. I bet he's good at gymnastics. Number three, <laughs> Roman Bravo Young. Yes. Number four, Tauli Tagovailoa, who is the brother of Tua. Correct. And then Michi Johnson, an Ohio State basketball player. You know what is not in the top five? No football. Tua. Oh, okay. Or Tua's brother. Oh, yeah, Tua's brother. Okay, <laughs> bad reading. Number four, though. Um, so why, why what, when you saw this list, did it surprise you guys at all? Oh, a little. I mean, Spencer Lee's seven, too, right? And yes. If you going down. Um, it did. It did surprise me. I thought, for some reason, I imagined that there would be college football or basketball players with millions of followers and and uh this is just instagram right yeah yeah i i thought for sure there must be these prominent d1 athletes that have built these massive brands but um it's just it hasn't happened i think part of it is wrestling being an individual sport Mm -hmm. um and a sport where you get to see faces not like football where you wear a helmet and pads and you don't really get to see the athletes or whatever. I think that has a, a small part in it. I think I think it has a huge part in it. I think the individual aspect that you get to feel, there's just more of a connection when you watch Gable compete than even when you watch a, a, a great running back or quarterback in football. And you become a fan of Gable, right. not necessarily a fan of Minnesota. I mean, obviously a lot of Minnesota fans as well, but outsiders can look in and be like, I don't care about Minnesota but I root for Gable. And that's absolutely what's happening with Gable. Gable has a national following. And I think I think there's a couple things that, that contribute to that. One, wrestling is a sport that kind of converges its its eyes on athletes starting in high school, right? So a lot of people knew about Gable coming up, right? And then he had a couple years on the you know he's wrestled on the senior level and he's wrestled at, at Division One, so he's been some something someone in the wrestling consciousness for a long time. Whereas a Penn State or a, uh, you know an Iowa football fan, they probably don't really become fully aware of their guys until they get on campus and then they start playing well, right? right? Whereas everyone knew about Gable; it was a big deal when he committed. So it's interesting because we would say, well, wrestling's not you know a mainstream sport, et cetera, et cetera, but. I think uh, I think it makes a lot of sense, and I also say this: you got it's not just um, you. You got to give Gable credit here, and a lot of people wondering, you know, how does he have so many more followers than you know second place? Has he have more followers than Spencer Lee? And I think a lot of it is it's effort, yes. right? Gable has made a point to make social media. He understands the opportunity. It's not just it's not pure vanity, right? It's it's. Um, he understands that if he's more Built prominent here, then that's going to have huge benefit for him down the line. So I think he's recognized that. And, and I kind of alluded to this yesterday with, with Spencer and comparing Spencer and Roman and Spencer and Gable. It's like those guys are just more drawn to that kind of thing than where Spencer, I think, would just just assume wrestle and, and, and do that right. that aspect of it. Gable looks at it a little more comprehensively, I would say. And even still... I mean, Spencer's seventh in the entire conference, which I think it's cool that wrestling's uh, three in the top ten. I think that's his... Wrestling is also the Big Ten's, or the conference wrestling is best at. 
So I think that helps too. Like go look at it probably wouldn't be the same for the Big 12 or Pac-12. Yeah. I, I just think it's when you think about these football stadiums and, you know, the big house in Michigan and Happy Valley yeah. and it's, man, Ohio State, the shoe. It's crazy to think that guys that aren't in that sport are more popular than guys who play that sport. Right. Um, even. So I think it's it's interesting. Now, obviously, the arc, you know, Someone like Justin Fields after he gets drafted or he's like on the Heisman, then it it hits a, a different strata. Um, right. To, to the point about athletes being willing to do the self-promotion and think about it that way, I, mean, I remember it beat the streets. Um, Gable, you could just tell that, that he was not just thinking about that wrestling match and winning the match, but also he wanted to do small things to help promotion. I remember after the match, he you know we did an interview and he's like, hey, can, uh, can we get a photographer to like – get a picture of me on the mat like you know with these he had these custom shoes and they were cool he's like hey can we get a picture uh, somebody take a good picture of that and he wanted that for an instagram post and he knew that that would be different than handed somebody his iphone and like little things like that you know that, that it took him probably like five extra minutes but um but it was just an extra step a little indication that like yeah he's already training himself to to think about promotion in that way and then later that night he had a post with dylan danis he just like hit up Dylan Dennis to like talk to him and meet up with him for a little bit of time. And then, you know, because he was in the area, he's like, all right, this guy's got a bunch of followers. Let me get a photo with him, knowing that that's going to probably build his brand. I don't think he's super close with Dylan Dennis. I don't think they're buddies and hang out all the time. But he knew, hey, this guy's around and, and we can probably connect and that's another small opportunity. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, other news, David Carr won the Iowa State Male Athlete of the Year, so congrats to him. Yes, let's just raking him up. Win a natty, it goes a long way. And, uh, yeah, well-deserved there for, for David Carr. Uh, so wanted to get into a, a new – or not a new segment, nothing we haven't done before, but just looking at the class of 2021 big board, who should go, who should redshirt. Um, J.D., why don't you cue this, this uh, topic up a little bit for us. Yeah, you know, it's just fun to look at who are the guys we could see go right away um, and how they transition. Last year was kind of special in that it was a free year, so it was like, no, wrestle everybody, why not? But this year is kind of back to normal. It'll be a little interesting, so, you know, I figure we just start at number one, work our way down. Let's do it. Number one. Richie Figs, Richard Figueroa, he's going to Arizona State. Um, I, I don't think we'll see him as they have the returning national finalist at 120. So I think that there's a two, it's like a two-pronged thing. It's like, what are they ready to go? Let's let's pretend he's not at Arizona State. How do we think? Let's assess his readiness. So like, it's the question of should they use him? Should Arizona State use him? I think we would say no. Yes. Is he ready Could to go he? right away? Um, I think he is. I think he's ready. I think he's um, national qualifier, all American con contention level right away. I um, I agree, national qualifier for sure. I am curious about what what does he look like in a in a seven minute grind? Is he? For me, the big question is top. I think he's a really good top wrestler, and I think if if that's something that he's able to convert over to the next level. It's not just something where he's able to ride the high school guys, but he's really, truly that guy on top. I think that answers a lot of the questions for me. Um, 
But if, if it's not, if it's something where maybe it, it's not going to translate necessarily, then I'm like, well, maybe he might need a year to get fully acclimated, fully. Because if you're just like we've seen some of these guys that are really good on their feet, it's just it's a hard way to live seven minutes on your feet if you're not like a he's not a true grind you out type of wrestler. He's right. like really slick. He's very dynamic. He's got he has a lot of different attacks, right? But. Um, can he maintain that for for seven minutes? I think, I think he can. I think he doesn't I, really have gas tank issues. Well, I mean, he looked pretty tired against Drake Ayala. Well, most do. It's Drake Ayala. Well, that's six minutes and it's freestyle. Well, it, I mean, he's still won. I know, I know. He's also lost to to Drake as well. And I and I don't know in a folk style match. That is true. Uh, so that one went longer than six minutes. It did. It and did. I, I thought he looked fine in overtime i mean drake took him down but right. there was the whole singlet shirt pull thing which i don't think affect i think drake got the takedown but i it wasn't like he got taken down because he was tired yeah i just think and another consideration it's not it's not can he come in and wrestle with these guys it's also what do we trade off right the the, the constant debate is like okay if we Use him this year. We kind of lose Richard Figueroa year five. I really want to see Richard Figueroa year five, right? So I think that with with for him, I would like to see him get a year in the room, rolling with Brandon Courtney, rolling with Mikhail McGee, and then unleash him the next year and see see where you're at. I think that this is one of the guys where name, image, likeness really, if it, if it becomes a an integral part of why, you know, these guys' decisions about going right away or not, he's the kind of wrestler that I could see really, you know, having conversations with the coaches about, let me go year one, redshirt year two or three, to get in the lineup, to, you know, have some prominent screen time, uh, make sure people know my name, because he gets it too. Like, you see the way that he is on social media. He understands promotion. He understands the value. Um, And so he's a guy that I could see for that reason – really wanting to go right away, potentially. Of course, you know, if the Brandon Courtney situation were, were different. I think when it comes to his preparedness, and I mean, kind of the point you guys were making about his match with Drake Ayala, and you think about the Unger match too, comparing Richie and, and Freestyle and Folkstyle, he's excellent in both, but in Folkstyle, he's going to be in a lot more matches that are in the balance and that are going to come down to one or two positions. And that's where, um, you know, I see him as... 100% national qualifier. If he's around to 12, that makes a ton of sense, and it's a coin flip. Um, that's kind of how I see him. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there with, with Richie. But his, his potential, if he gets fully optimized, he's there's a reason he's the number one kid in this class, for sure. Okay, next man up, who would it be? Alex Facundo. Oh, boy. This is a tough one. This is a tough one for me. Okay, so on on the one hand, he's gonna be the best guy. He's gonna be the best one sixty five for Penn State. We feel. Right? I think he's probably gonna be their guy. Okay, I I agree. I agree with that as well. I think he will be the guy, and I think similarly he is ready. He's ready to go. He's ready to qualify, win matches at nationals. I what I am curious about is where's his mat game at. Um, because I, I, I view him as a, as a takedown guy, an elite neutral wrestler, a guy that's tough to take down, a guy that's got a few different ways to get to his attacks. 
don't know if he have, has enough ways to score to be a. I don't. I don't see top five next year for Facundo. Sixty five is tough too. Well, yes, it's tough. No, no doubt. Now, the thing is, if Griffith's up, which we think he will be, if Mackay's up, which we think he will be, it's true. It it, it thins it out up. a little. It yeah. th- that thins it out. You'll still have Bull. You'll still have Wenzel, Keegan, Keegan, um, Travis Whitlake. So I I feel like I would be if we went down the list. Here's some guys I I would be stunned if Alex Facundo could beat. I don't. I'd be stunned if he could beat Alex Marinelli. I'd be stunned if he could beat um, Jake Wenzel just because that mat strength, I think that is something that will be tough for him. Now, Keegan O'Toole is interesting, I, but I think after the year we just saw Keegan have, it's it's tough to tough to see that for for him. So I'll say he's ready to go. I think he should go, and I think he's got All-American potential. I agree. Yeah, I agree too. I also, I mean, you, you just the development those guys make at Penn State and the success that they often have in year one uh, gives me a lot of gives me a lot of confidence that he's gonna he's gonna do really really well. But the question of how high, I don't know. But I do think he's ready, and I do think he will go. Kale's kind of like a he always knows best. You know, we saw it pulling Mark Hall. It yeah. very rarely, I feel like goes poorly when a true freshman at Penn State goes. Yeah, what when what here's the true freshman that it wrestled that just off the top of my head. Um Nico was finalist. Zane beat Logan that year was fifth. Uh Mark won. Now uh uh Robbie went this year. Yeah, and Bo Bartlett, but th- and those Bo were. Bartlett. This was a weird year. This exactly. was like count. I said at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So this, I mean, this is a year that you almost have to, kind of almost have to throw it out. Yeah. What are the other? I'm, I'm sure I'm missing some other true freshmen, but like Ed David did not. Jason Nolf, Bo Nickel, uh, did not. Redshirt. Yeah. A- anyway, um, when he when he picks, he's he's normally, you know, they're ready to go. So it'll be uh, it'll, it'll be exciting to see what which direction he goes. I'm curious, long term weight wise, do we see Facundo career 65? Do we see him I run don't out think of, so. I think he'll end up. Here's my counterpoint to that. This guy was like a 5260 as a as a freshman. That's true. <laughs> the dude's been big. It's not like he's been like a you know a 26 and a 32 and a, it's like it's like he came out the gate and was like super 32 finalist or whatever. And maybe that's why I'm saying that because like. You're so used every, to that progression. Like every year, like I'm like, okay, you know, he's going to go up. Like, he's not going to hold this. He'll be up. He'll be up at this weight. He'll be a 74 in college. But, yeah, maybe right. Maybe he has just plateaued. And and also, you know, can just consider where, where he's at. He's at Penn State, and they're going to have – I mean, are Starachi and Brooks Dean going to bump up? Or how, how would that work? Like, where else is he right. going to wrestle? Like, I don't see Star, I don't see Starachi. Now, I could see Brooks going up to – um, ninety-seven at, at some point in his career, but yeah, I don't know. But the thing, the one thing that's good with Facundo is if there is a need for him to move up, I think he's got the frame to do it effectively. But I think for Penn State, him being a sixty-five solution is is important for them, right? Because I don't know if he's not if he's not their plan for at sixty-five for the next couple of years. I'm not sure what what they're gonna do because I think 
I, it seems really unlikely that that Joe Lee's going to be a solution there, and I don't know who they have waiting in the wings in, in the 57 range, but um, it, it doesn't seem to be anyone that's Facundo's level. I agree. All right. All right. Next man up. Number three, Patty Gallagher. Okay. I, I love this guy. I think there's a lot of reasons for him to go right away. One, I think you just need that injection of what Patty's going to bring. Hard nose, tough wrestling, a lot of offense. Uh, I, I think Ohio State could just use that, that kind of an energy that to – you know, build off of what Sammy do, did last year, build off of what Carson Karchler is likely going to do. I think he's a 57 now. I don't know if he's a long-term 57. And I think Carson Karchler might be a long- Patty does love to lift. He loves, Patty love lifty, <laughs> as they say. And so when you consider that, when you consider, now I know we've, we've you know, had co- correspondence, and I think the plan right now is to redshirt him. But I would wrestle him. And... I I think, I think he is ready. I think I love that he. Can, I know he can hand fight well enough on the D one level. I know he can endure that the physicality, and I think he's someone where if he's going right away by March, he's going to be pretty fantastic. And one fifty seven is an interesting weight because we don't think Deacon's back. Highly moved up two weight classes. Delavecchia is gone. Yep. So it's not you know what. It's not like he's dropping into 174, which is just going to be, you know, a guy could wrestle out of his mind and not place there, right? Mm-hmm. So 157, and also, what's the alternative at one, for, for Ohio State if he doesn't go? I mean, you know, hasn't there been some talk about Sasso moving up potentially? Yeah, but I don't think that's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah oh, yeah. one other 157 wrinkle. We need to get this in our brains. Austin O'Connor going up. Yes. So he's... Also, Carver's David Carr. That is that's a sassy NCAA final, if it happens. So yeah, I mean, you look at the rankings um, as they finish the season, and it's Carr, Delavecchia, Deacon, Teamer, Hidley. Out of the top five, only you know only two guys left, and you, you, then you go down to Brayton Lee, ba- Brady Berge, Caleb Young, Kendall Coleman, Will Luan, the next five, and. Those guys, it feels like some of those matches are winnable for Patty. Absolutely. Yes, yes, I feel the exact same way. And I, I think, I think you let him run if he's ready, if he's feeling good and he's healthy. That's the thing. That's a big thing. If you're healthy now, you should, you should. go. And I think there's something to be said too about being a hometown kid, taking <clears throat> pride in Ohio, wearing the Ohio State singlet, like. He's a St. Ed's kid, you know. He grew up just down the road from Columbus. He, it, he's basically home. It's not like he, he needs to take time to get acclimated. He knows what he was getting into, and a guy that wants to go right away and wants to represent. You think he wants to go right, right away? Um, you know, I haven't talked to him about it, but I know um, he was definitely a guy who's like, no, from the beginning, like Ohio State's my school. I want to go here. Like, I want to represent Ohio State. Yeah. I would love it if he went right away. I think it'd be exciting. I think it, I think it's I think it's the right move. I don't know if they'll do it, but I think it's the right move. But no one would ever let me coach their team <laughs> in college, so what do I know? But I'd use them. Okay, back to Penn State. This is fun. Number four, Shane Van Ness. Okay, this is interesting for me because if you asked me four months ago, I'd be like, 
yes, let him go. Let him go right away. Um, let him go at 49. And now, you know, I feel like he could benefit from a year potentially. I think – I'm wondering, you know, the guy broke his leg, right? And, yeah. you know, you don't just come back and then you're, you're you know, top-level self again right away. And, you know, some of the dual stuff was a little – it surprised me, frankly. There's so much to work with there. T- to me, if I'm ranking this class, if I just didn't – if there's just a draft and I, I have the first pick, I think I would take him. I really would. And maybe that's not – For the ceiling? For- I, yeah. I think it's just the the combination of the, the pay – I love that it's, it's pretty rare you get a guy that – an unreal athlete with great technical skills – combined with a ridiculous pace. Normally there's some sort of trade-off there. Normally the trade-off, if you got a pace hard-nosed guy, they're not maybe the most athletic, kind of like they're they're more of a grinder type and then and vice versa, right? If you're if you're more slick, you don't have that it, I feel like he's the combination of both. I think he's got I think he's like an eye of the tiger kind of kid. I think he's I think he's absolutely special and I'm uh if you were selling off of his results in these these you know off season whatever matches uh i will buy all your all your shane man s stock so my, my question if he's a 41 which i thought he'd be a little bigger at this point but he's still making 138 i don't know if that's a good cut for him or a brutal one i figured he'd be more of a full-size type of 49 if he is that you they should wrestle him right away because he's i think he's going to be their best guy i think the plan is to redshirt bill bartlett at 141 while nick Lee finishes out 141 and graduates. I think that's the plan. I don't know. Uh, but if that's the plan, I would wrestle him right away at 149. Uh, I think – I'm sure he's at Penn State now. I'm sure he's training. He's going to think of where he can be by March. Uh, I would wrestle him. And if Penn State's trying to – if they want to get in this Iowa conversation, they, they've got to do some things like this, right? And I think there's going to be – it may, may be more competition at – Penn State 149. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of excitement about a couple of the, the more under the radar guys, but I I would wrestle Shane Van Ness right away at, at 149 if he's that size. That's the that's to me the biggest question with Shane Van Ness because um, when yeah I was super surprised when I saw he went back down to 38 in March I mean, he beat Josh Saunders and it seemed like okay this at 65 kilos it's like all right he's going to be at least moving up to 45 high school weight wise there's not a huge reason for him to go back down but then he dropped to 63 kilos uh, for the ultimate club duels that's where he took losses to Lamer and Alanis those are two excellent excellent guys um, but those are the kinds of matches he's going to need to be winning to make a big impact in the Penn State lineup but that that question of being at 63 kilos and then for preps, he went 38, like you said. Um, that, to me, begs the question of how big is this guy and, and why is he that big? And is he cutting a lot of weight? I don't know. Did he you know, have some muscle atrophy from having a broken leg for all those months? Maybe. Uh, but I do think that we're going to see another surge with him when he gets, that, you know, gets back into the full swing of training and competing with the kinds of people that he's going to be training with at Penn State. Uh, but if he's not if he's not 45 pounder in high school this year, I don't, I don't know that he's going to be a 49 next year. Um, I hope he is because, like you, I, I do want to see him, and I think he's going to 
catch a lot of people. He's going to catch up quickly. You lose a lot from a year where not only are you not competing, but with a broken leg, you're you're not even able to train, train, get your timing right, all those important things. So uh, I, I agree, this guy is going to do really, really well. And the size is the biggest question. I, everybody thought this guy was like going to just keep growing and growing and maybe be a 57 eventually. Now, you know, we'll see. Well, how do you feel about him going 41, Lee up to 49, Redshirt Bartlett? Uh, well, I wouldn't understand that. I, I would say why why Redshirt Bo, I would, I would wrestle Bo Redshirt Shane if, if Nick bumps up, personally. 41, my, like my gut reaction is, well, 41 is probably a tougher weight like in terms of the composition of the weight class. But then as I'm looking at the rankings, number three at the end of the year was Tariq Wilson. He's going up. Uh, number four, Sebastian Rivera. There's a chance he goes down. Um, and then number five, it, it goes to Dylan Duncan, Dresden Simon, Chad Red, Zach Sherman. That's your top eight. And if he go, if he is making 41, if that's the size he is, I kind of like that that weight class for him um, as a, a place he could do some damage. Yeah. Okay, Shane Van Ness, next man up. Drake Ayala. Number five, going to Iowa. Going to Iowa. So obviously, <laughs> I think he uh, will will not start. I think he's a twenty five, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, At least for the first uh, couple of years, I think. I don't think he's probably not a career twenty five guy. We'll see. Uh, I would uh, one. I think he is ready, but obviously you redshirt him because you have Spencer Lee. Uh, I, I like that. I think he's a good combination of. I think he's got like the uh, the D one grit, the D one grind. He's got the work ethic. I like his offense. I think he's well rounded. I think he could go right away. I think I, I similar prognostication for for him as is Richie, right? I think win would definitely qualify for nationals. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, he would win some matches in nationals, but is he ready to? You think about a, a guy like a Malik. How does that match go right away? How does that match go for, for him? I think those kind of matches where I feel like, all right, that's probably a close match in, in year one for him. Maybe he beats him, maybe not. Um, so I think he's a fringe All-American as a true freshman. I think a year in the room, uh, he's going to get a lot better, and he's going to get better quick. right? He's in a he's in an environment, in a place that just routinely produces elite 25s and 33s. So I think he's he's going to be really good. I think eventually he's someone that will contend for for national titles. But I I'm excited that he's going to get a year two. As much as I'd like to watch him year one, I'm excited that he will likely get a year to to mature. Now what what will get interesting is if Iowa if Spencer as through his this comeback process and, and you know Spencer Spencer's on the mat now right. As he gets through that, and if he's feeling like, all right, I'm not fully Spencer, they're not going to wrestle him, right? But I think the, the 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 plan absolutely is to wrestle Spencer right now. But if he's not him, they won't wrestle him. So who will it be? That's a question to me, right? Would it be Would it be Drake? Would they roll out a true freshman, which is something Tom Brands has done once? Spencer freed the league uh, when they when they freed the league. Uh, so. With that, you know, would they go with Drake? Is he going to be the best guy? Because they've got, you know, 
Jesse Ibarra is there. Is he still someone that can make 25? I don't think 25 he can make 25. I don't anymore. think so either. Aaron Cashman someone who's done spot duty. I don't think he's on Drake's level personally. No. Um, I haven't seen that progression there for, for Aaron. So I think he would be the best guy in the room if Spencer didn't wrestle. And so you combine that with the fact that this is a this is a, this is Iowa's window right now, and 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 they'll say that their window will be beyond this year, but they are in prime position to win, guaranteed this year. They are in a great position, and Spencer's about twenty seven points, and you need to start making that up if he's not going to wrestle. So, I think you would potentially see Drake. I think it would be the wisest choice if you're trying to win the national. Trying to win nationals this year, and you want your best team out there. I think that team has to involve Drake Ayala if Spencer doesn't wrestle. Then they, Iowa doesn't punt. <laughs> they don't punt. Which not that they would be a punt year because <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be they're nasty. Back everybody, but yeah. um, you know, the, I, one of the last times I can think about them not wrestling their best guy at a lineup was I think was Marinelli the year he did not wrestle at sixty five. I think mm-hmm. he was pretty obviously their best dude. Um. St. John won the wrestle off one year, uh, but they didn't. They did not start him. So it's been a few instances where I don't think they wrestled their best guy, but pretty few and far between, I, I would say. But they don't. They don't. Uh, they often uh, redshirt their guys. Yeah, and Drake's a guy. A lot of times, the worry is for incoming freshmen, Matt wrestling. And he is not a, although he's a I would say kind of uh, a neutral guy or whatever you know mm. does he's not scoring too many turns or whatever but he's not a guy you have to worry about on bottom that was the big story oh yeah going into the who's number one match with yeah. Richie that's what was I that said Richie? yeah Richie was something you were telling him he shouldn't even take bottom he shouldn't have I really <laughs> but he that. did and he got I out I was like this is just why would you do that why would you go and he got away right away mm-hmm. so. Then he later got turned by, uh, was it Ryder Block? Was that the kid's name? That- yes, that beat him. Um, but then he avenged in the state finals. Big so. avenge. Big avenge. Yeah. He, he's just, man, the guy is just, he has that, that competitive desire, too, that, that you don't always see. You know, you think, look at high school wrestlers and kind of ask, like, how often do they compete and what kinds of places do they compete and why? And, I mean, Drake, not only was he super excited to wrestle Richie at who's number one, but then was one of the few guys from who's number one that wrestled at Super 32 in a really tough field, looked really good, um, and, and he just keeps wrestling. I mean, he wrestled at junior duels a couple weeks ago for Team Iowa, despite the fact that for a lot of guys that are seniors, they're, they're ready to move on, get in their college room and, and do that, but he, he just loves to compete, and I think that goes a long way um, for these guys as they're getting acclimated. Evidently. All righty. Um, how far down the list do we want to go? We just did the top five. Um, can I go through ten? Sure. Okay. Number six. Number six, Dean DJ Hamidi going to Wisconsin. Really like this kid. Um, he, he fits weight-wise for Wisconsin right away, right? There shouldn't be – we see him as a 57? I – I think maybe 65. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think say, so. David? I think 65. Um, he he wrestled 74 kilos at Junior Nationals, and then uh, when he wrestled the Spartan Duels, he was up at 170. I think he's I think he's probably a 65-pounder. He's got a frame to build on, um, 
and I, I think I think sixty five probably makes sense for him. Well, with with Wick gone, seems like the the vacancies there. Well, either wait, I would wrestle him right away. You're you're gonna have Braxton in the lineup. This well, I, I'm guessing right. <laughs> Bra- Braxton technically could redshirt because yes. he was not enrolled, enrolled last year, um, but you gotta figure they're gonna wrestle him right. Um, That's nothing. Use him when you got him. <laughs> Seriously, thing. he's ready. He's definitely ready. Yeah. So I say, hey, roll out these young guys. They're gonna, they're gonna have, they're gonna be solid um, in quite a few spots. I, I like, man, Hamidi's arc is is insane. And going to Wisconsin, you know, it, gonna get to roll with Reader all the time. It's a tough room. I think it's gonna be. I think it's a good fit for him, and I, I'd let him go. He was so he was one of the most dominant performers at Super Thirty Two, and he won that title. I, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people. Th- believed that 160 bracket was going to be kind of up in the air and let's see he was certainly a favorite to do well and and had a good chance of winning people would have a lot of people would have picked him but nobody saw that level of dominance coming um, and then you know he he finished you know followed that up with an elite eight performance where he beat Kyle Valencia soundly uh in, I don't I don't know how soundly it was actually if I'm if I remember correctly but really impressive win there and and he, at times he's just looked almost unstoppable then super close match with Facundo right. at at junior nationals and then he and then on the backside he took another loss so um I don't know he's he he's somebody that on some days he looks unstoppable 100% ready to go other days it looks like he could use a little bit of seasoning but in a coin flip situation like that, I mean, it's it seems valuable to roll him out at some open tournaments, see how he's doing, and then be, but with the intention that you're probably going to pull him if you get the chance. Yeah, he's. I think that's kind of where he's at. He's a guy you test the waters a bit with first. Get, Couple opens. Yeah, get him some college wins. Um, get the confidence rolling, get the momentum going, and then that's when you'll really see him excel and take off. Maybe it's somebody you frame like the, you know, Midlands or something. You're like, hey, we're going to Midlands, and what you're going to do is prove whether or not you're ready to go. Yeah. And I, I kind of think he'd, he'd be a guy who would say, man, I want to go. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrestle as hard as I freaking can to get in this lineup. He just he seems like he has that kind of an edge to him. He's a guy you say that to light a fire under, knowing no matter what, that you're going to start him at 65. Yeah. Because <laughs> they need a 65. Yeah, they will. They will. Okay, that's DJ Hamidi. Next up, Chance Lamer. Talk Organs. a little bit about Chance, uh, David, because he's been a, a real fun guy to watch the last little bit, and a big, uh, a guy that's really climbed the big board tremendously. Yeah, um, you know, beginning of the year for him, Super Thirty Two, made the finals, looked good doing it, and then lost to um, to Buzakis, who you know who doesn't do that, right? Everybody loses to Buzakis, <laughs> yeah. but he but he looked like Buzakis was kind of a level ahead. So that's how it felt like, okay, good high school kid, good future. But he made massive jumps. He he um, was seventh at junior nationals. His losses there were Jesse Mendez and Eric Barnett, so nothing bad. But then since that time, he's just looked really, really outstanding. At PWC, he was very dominant over Chapel. And then at the ultimate club duels, that's where he separated himself. He not, you know, he beat Shane Van Ness there, looked excellent, and then uh, was second at junior nationals, only losing to Bo Bartlett, 
and and looking really good against Bo Bartlett as well. He he looks like a guy that's D one ready to me. Yeah, I'm I'm curious with Michigan. You know, is he? Uh, how does how's the fit work? Year one, right? So I think he's probably a 41, um, maybe 33, um, possibly year one, but probably 41 long term. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you get much more production out of him than Drew Madden, who is good. They had last season, not enough more production in any way to take him out of a red shirt. Right. Right. The the thing for me is he's got to be on market improvement over over Drew, which I would be surprised if he's like just – I mean, Matten is a tough guy. He's beaten some good dudes. He's been in the in the ringer. Uh, so the, to me, I think to wrestle Chance right away, he would need to be gr- grown. He needs to be bigger. He just made like 132 or so. So that to me does not scream 141. But if he got – to growing and he was a 41 i think that's more of a weight of need for michigan so if he got bigger and one thing that makes me sort of lean towards well maybe you use them it's two things one michigan's team this year if they they bring back some of their seniors like miles and massa who which are still which is still not determined those guys come back and then you can get a little extra boost at 141 maybe you go for that right also the other reason is when with his arc being like this, you can really accelerate that. And how much better is he going to get from now to March? Yeah, I, I kind of, man, I go back and forth. I'm looking at, well, for one, I, I think 33 it doesn't make as much sense. They've got Ragason and maybe Mijic. Who knows? Nobody knows. But yeah. um, but, but seems unlikely. <laughs> seems unlikely. They have good options at 33, uh, 41. At first, when I saw Matten, I'm like, well, he, you know, he was an NCAA qualifier this year. But then looking back at his career, Matten is two times around a 16 at NCAAs. He's qualified all three years that he's been in the lineup, and he's got one year left. It's, I mean, it's a guy that, um, you know, you look at the matches he's been in. He's had close matches with Chad Red, and and uh, you just kind of think like, all right, you know, we've got a guy that we know where he is. He's going to be solid, and on a great day, maybe he. You know, maybe he gets on the podium, sneaks on the podium. The upside with Lamer is higher, though. Lamer, yeah. during the course of his career, with, you know, he'll. I think he's going to rise past that level, and it's the question of will that be now or or not. And to me, he's somebody similar to Hamidi. Roll him out at, you know, put him in the Michigan State Open, see how he does there. Um, you know, maybe send him to Midland, see how he does there, and be open to the possibility that this guy is your starter at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. You think about Ragason and what a revelation he was yeah. from, you know, he made the senior national finals and he, you know, had a couple other really strong performances and he looked good at 25. So, you know, he could be a guy that has that kind of uh, ascent once he gets to Ann Arbor. We'll see. I'm leaning towards uh, redshirting Lamer right now, now. You know what's funny? Once you said Ragason, I'm leaning more towards redshirting him too because Ragason is an example of, like, a freshman, a freshman can, like, can show you a glimpse – and have an outstanding moment and break out in a really big way. But that is not necessarily the same thing as being able to put it together at the end. And yeah, Zane can beat Logan Steber, but yeah. he might end up getting fifth at Nationals. <laughs> well, which, that's, yeah. It's a little different, I know. Um, they needed Zane that year. Yeah. I don't know if they... Yeah, yeah. 2014, they wouldn't have won without Zane... Uh, 
And I was just speaking of, you know, showing a glimpse of what what a wrestler can Mm -hmm. be. Maintaining it, for sure. Okay, next man up, who we got? Kyle Valencia. Okay. I feel very strongly they should redshirt Kyle. Yes, I think he's got uh, fantastic physical tools. I think he's got... A, a lot going for him and I think just a year of refining and polishing I'm excited to see what Kyle can do after that year uh, I think it would work I think it makes sense on both levels I think it makes sense for the lineup with his brother coming back mm-hmm. and I think it makes sense just for his own personal development uh, I like Kyle a lot as a wrestler and I think a year in that room is gonna he will really benefit from that Kyle is a quantity guy shoots a lot not always the best shots which i feel like is a bad recipe for college wrestling yeah um i think he would probably get down block go behind sprawled on quite a bit um but like you said that's a style if you're a college coach you go okay we can take this and mold it into something something good Pick your pick your spots a little better, you know. Clean up the technique, um, and but it's a guy. It's a gun, still a gunslinger guy, um, at heart. Yeah. Well, and another thing is like how if you're a volume shooter, you're gonna give give up go behinds. Okay. And how are you underneath? Yeah. Are you like Anthony, where if you get taken down, it's a it's it's not automatic. You're getting away. Right, and mm-hmm. most, and that's true for most freshmen, right? So a volume attacker like that—that's not maybe automatic escape—that could be a, a really tough recipe, because then you're like, okay, then you've got this guy who's just so offensive-minded, who's like, well, if I shoot now, I'm gonna. So you really can't be your full self. So I think in a year, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I agree, and that in a year, give him a year, he. He used even his senior year in high school as I, I think an exercise in learning, growing, figuring things out. He wrestled anywhere from 160 to 182 this year um, and took losses at all those weights. Like he he's just when I say took losses, it's like he, he wrestles a lot. You know, he he shows up at events. I think sometimes on relatively short notice, and and he's trying to figure out what he can learn from and grow from. And and that's a guy that. Uh, I don't know, that mentality of it feels like a growth mindset type of situation. Like, I want to get in here. I want to see what I can figure out about myself. And if I lose, I lose. That's good. Um, but I think at the D1 level, if you're doing that learning at open tournaments or, or things like that, it's a little easier to come back and come to the room and say, all right, now let's figure out what we're doing. If you're doing that in the varsity lineup, doing dual meets, you know, with a lot of eyes on you, it can be a little more discouraging. So I think let him grow, let him like let him consider the year to be a growth year because if you're competing in the varsity lineup as much as you want to grow as much as like that's that's got to be a, a big part of your mindset i think it can be hard to, to to grow when there's also pressure on you from fans and from coaches and you think about the messaging from from coach to athlete or from coach to team after a dual meet it's intense after an open tournament, it's it's a little more maybe constructive. It's a little more like, all right, here's what we learned, and, and now let's move from here. So I think that year where everybody knows, everybody's on the same page, your goal is learn as much as you can, get as good as you can. I think that is, is exactly what he needs. Awesome. All right, next man up. Joel Vandeveer. 
going to Northwestern. Mm-hmm. One thirty-eight pounder, but he looks really big. I yeah. think he's a. We also, we haven't seen him wrestle in a year, so number one, yeah. He has it, not wrestled it, since he was number one. He's just been bodybuilding since then. I was about to say so. What does he weigh? <laughs> you know. Yeah. He could be a fifty-seven for all we know, and I don't think that's the case. Um, I think he's probably a forty-nine in college. Um, but I, it's hard to say. I can't say for sure when a guy hasn't competed and you're a high school kid. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I, I like Joel. Um, I think if you haven't been in the streets wrestling a lot, it's tough to, all right, coming now you're wrestling in the Big Ten, and it's not a shortened season. It's a full season. And if he's a 49, they've got one, and he's really good. His name's Yaya Thomas. So he just placed third. I think it's a uh, – I think it's – I think the red shirt makes sense on multiple – Fronts. I think it makes sure it makes sense lineup wise. I think it makes sense just for Joel's development. I'm, I think upside is really really impressive, uh, but we'll see. Uh, I, I still think he could use a year of of development and training there in Northwestern. Now I think his style um, will translate pretty well to the college level. Um, not really a deficiency, good at riding legs yeah. on top, tough from neutral, stingy, um, hard to score on. So I think his style does um, translate well to the college level. I do too. I like him a lot. Now, now. scenario, Hit me. he has been bodybuilding a lot. He's put on a lot of weight. Who do they have? Ryan Deacon doesn't come back. Who do they have behind Ryan Deacon? Max Mayfield is the next next man up. Okay. Right now. Um, Mayfield, three and five last year. Uh, You know, so let's see. Best wins, probably, you know, Ryan Thomas, Caleb Licking. But he's not a, right now he's not a guy that you would think about as, as a huge impact guy. Because I think we still don't know if Deacon's coming back or not. I feel like he's not. Yeah. See, I mean, if I had to put up, a... from what I've heard, he's been traveling, <laughs> traveling around, training at different places. Um, possibly, you know, looking for like a, an RTC, you know, okay, to go to. So, who knows? Maybe, maybe they do need a fifty-seven. Maybe Joel's put on a bunch of weight. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last man up. Uh, top 10. It is Alejandro Herrera-Rondon from Pennsylvania to Oklahoma. Give give me your thoughts. I think lineup-wise, it doesn't make sense with Justin Thomas back. but Yeah, it's I agree. Um, and similar to his style, similar to Vanderveer's, that I think does translate well. He was a guy I had... Um, maybe some questions about two years ago, um, but has really come on strong this past year um, and kind of taken those question marks away from me. And I do think he will be uh, very good in college, good on top, good at riding legs, um, good in scrambles, um, and stingy, hard to score on, kind of like I was saying. For Vanderveer, he's a guy who I think um, – Maybe could go right away. I don't, and beyond that, 
um, national qualifier, win a couple matches, possibly All American level. I think Matt. I think if you're if you're asking a question of like who wins between Justin Thomas and Alejandro Herrera Rondon head to head, man, I bet. I mean, I'm sure right now it's Justin Thomas, but by the start or middle of the season, I think it's going to be a coin toss. I think those guys are very very similar. I think probably he doesn't start because they have Justin. It's another scenario where you're not going to get enough production, more production yeah. out of this freshman that you waste a year yeah. or whatever pull their red shirt. He has such he has such folk style specific tools. He's going to be really good. He is, I, I mean, yeah, like you said JD, the the scrambling ability, the mat wrestling is incredible. And the other thing that we that we know about him a little bit more than a lot of high school kids is we know that he can endure a season where you're going to see a lot of tough guys. A lot of times for guys the high school season is like, you know, outside of a couple of matches it's it's pretty much a cakewalk. He had, he I think he wrestled Rocco Welsh four times yeah. this year. He also had Panero Johnson, <laughs> and in he his beat way. him every time. He beat That's him every impressive because it's hard to beat a guy that good that many times in a row. Yes, and uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's exactly right. That's that's kind of the the thing for me that that stands out. And he he's hungry. After all that, he was like, I can't wait. I remember interviewing him after PIAA's. He's like, I can't wait to wrestle Voinovich at PWC. Like I really. And want then he that went match. and wrestled. Um, Virginia Beach. Yeah. After that, too. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, you know, he beat Voinovich, he beat, you know, who is who is good at the same things that he's good at, and, and he just kind of proved that in that match, at least, he was he was able to hang with him and not only but but surpass him. Um, I, I think if they had a need, he would be very serviceable right away. I don't think he'll go because of Justin Thomas, but he could if he needed to. All right. Fun segment. Let's get to some questions from our from our dear friends. Uh, first question. What are potential unintended consequences on the NIL, positive or negative? For example, unattached tournament or card where athletes are compensated. Um, so the competing unattached thing was something I had not considered before until you brought it up on FRL to Mr. Fight, um, Bray, like, could we is there a scenario where stars do compete unattached um even though they're you know not redshirting and they're like yeah you know I'm going to make 200 bucks or whatever wearing this insert brand here this rudis this near fall singlet or whatever um and like college coaches you know might have to accept that yeah, you, you know, you're, there's going to be an imbalance to where, you know, a college coach wants to win Midlands or Southern Scuffle or whatever, but at the same time, it's like you have to be kind of a player's coach and let them go do their thing and maybe make a little bit of money, um, <laughs> you know, because it, it's a recruiting tool. You say, hey, come here. I'll let you go make a couple hundred bucks at this tournament and compete unattached and do what you want. Yeah, well, so it's, it's interesting. I mean, definitely – Student athletes will not ever be allowed to to receive payment to compete. That they'll they'll have to frame it slightly differently. But you're right. right. They could you know they'll they'll pay their own way out of their pocket and then maybe make a couple thousand bucks or whatever for for a gear sponsorship and then that would cover the travel and whatever. Um, but but I mean I think the unintended consequence is is going to be that that 
not only are, is each coach going to have to decide how they're going to handle that, but that could end up serving as a recruiting tool in and of itself, right? Like these coaches might say, hey, if you go to X institution, they're not going to allow you to compete unattached. They're, they're going to make sure that you, you know, are part of the team and whatever. Um, and there's probably a lot of value in that. There's a lot of value in the, you know, the team camaraderie and, and some coaches that maybe do things for a specific reason to help build the chemistry of a team or um, give accountability or guidance to student athletes might have to wrestle with, with weighing that versus weighing, you know, the, uh, the, the decision to give student athletes money. The other thing is, as we talked about, there's not as much money probably as student athletes think, and there's not going to be as, there's not going to be money for as many people as student athletes think. So, you know, you got, you know, Ben's talked about this a lot, but the fourth or fifth best guy on the team is probably not going to be making nearly as much as the number one or two. And if you're a gear sponsor um, and you're thinking you want to throw a couple, you know, a few thousand dollars at, at sponsorship money for something like Midlands or Scuffle, you're probably going to put that towards one or two guys. Now, what does that, what does that mean? What does that do to your team dynamics when the best guy on your team travels separately, stays separately, has an autograph session, you know, going on, separately or at a, you know, uh, outside the event because they're not attached. What is that? How does that feel? How does that? It's like, Oh, you're doing that and not scoring us team points. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's not, I don't think these coaches are going to let that fly. I I don't, I think a lot of them will not let it fly. And I think there's going to be one or two that will. And then, and then that's going to kind of open a really interesting scenario. Somebody's going to try. I mean, who don't you think somebody's going to try it? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I don't know. I feel like there's enough coach athlete trust. Uh, I I don't think uh, I don't think we're gonna have athletes going rogue and doing this. I think it's gonna be strategic with the coaches. Yeah. If it's strategic between like coach and athlete, that's one thing. But there also has to be strategic communication between the coach and the rest of the team, so that the rest of the team is not worried about you know or not. I, I don't know. Just not like wondering like why does this guy get to do whatever he wants while I don't. Yeah. That'll be a, uh, yeah, that is something I hadn't considered either that I'm excited to see how it, you know, how it materializes. I bet it's more of a rarity than, than something that happens. Uh, Liam Ad, Adelfinger, maybe a real name, will Flo be making weekly NIL rankings? I doubt we'll do rankings, uh, but I bet we'll do like check-ins, like, hey, here's what's, what Roman's doing. Actually, Roman is already at it. He's got a... Uh, Did he put up a post this morning he's or something? Got a, let me see it. Um, it got sent to me. I think it's Roman, Bravo, Young. I think he's got a raffle or something going. Yeah. Let me see if I can... A raffle for what? For his shoes, his RBY shoes. Ah. Um, so it's already it's already started. That's the first Good thing I've seen. I don't know if it's the first thing. He's like selling tickets to a to a yeah. raffle, which is cool. Uh, next question: What juniors internationally have the best shot to grow into world slash Olympic champs? Mm. I like uh, well, I think Keegan and Jesse Mendez for me. Yeah, um, I think so too. You would. Jesse, it is interesting though. Is it because I feel like Jesse probably sixty five, 
um, kilo guy at yeah. the senior yes. level. That's definitely the goal. Uh, that's a tough weight internationally. Um, yeah. A- a- as we've seen. So it's kind of like a pick and choose type of type of thing. Like who has the best odds, you know? I One thing I like about b- both those guys in terms of the weight class specifically is it doesn't seem like they are going to have to kill themselves to make the weight. In yes. fact, Jesse Jesse's going to need to get a little bit bigger to be a 65. And I mean, even internationally, that, that seems like it seems like the weight cut is a is a problem for a lot of guys, and it's something that that can be really tough for a lot of guys' careers. I think he's going to fit 65 really well in a couple years. I know he thinks about 2024 Olympic team, and at that point, I think 65 is going to be an ideal weight for him. And I think Keegan O'Toole is similar. He's a guy that could have. I mean, he started the year at 57. Uh, probably that was the plan, but now he's gone up, and he's gonna he's gonna fit that weight for a long time for whatever reason like those I mean those are hard hard weights to hold and a lot of the guys that are competing at 65 kilos specifically they're 49 pounders and so they're always fighting against the scale to get back down to 65 kilos whereas I think Mendez is going to fit there really well yeah and you know Keegan is someone who physically can develop a lot more just eyeball test wise Mm -hmm. right and Ben's I mean he's clearly strong enough for it to be a 165 collegiately well, it's a different level, obviously, internationally, senior level, etc. But I, I think he has the, it's the perfect like intersection of his own personal growth that he's going to have, and him becoming a full size seventy four kilo guy. So, uh, obviously, we're a little Keegan biased here, but I think, <laughs> I think him and men, for for the reason you pointed out. 65, I'll also say 74 is uh, rarely a treat itself. It's also a really tough yes. weight. Uh, so, but if I had to look, you know, in the, it said Olympic champ. There's only six of those weights. I don't think Richard Figueroa yet. Um, I, I, no. I, he's the other, uh, he's another one I would at least consider. I mean, because age level world success is often a, a pretty good indicator of senior level success. He's, he's a medalist. He's done well. Um, he's another guy that I could see. I can see having a really big impact by 2024. Braxton Amos is really interesting. Uh, yes, that's what I was going to say. Um, and not as, as dense a weight as 65 and 74 in the world. But domestically, going to be tough to crack through 97, especially if Jaden and Kyle are going to be battling For it out. the next four years. Yes. yes, correct. Yes, indeed. And A1 Abdul Rashid Sajulayev is there internationally. He is there. <laughs> He is there. Uh, one more question, then we will go on this Thursday. Question for all Flow staff. Do y'all spend a majority of your work day watching wrestling? Or are y'all watching a lot of wrestling um, on your personal time? I'll let you guys answer this. Both. <laughs> yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I spend a lot of time watching wrestling. I mean, you have to. If you're writing an article about something, you got to study up do your homework you know doing a show you gotta study up do your homework which is watching guys wrestle (laughs) cover an event you're just yeah that's all you're doing there's a lot of days where there's not where where i don't get to watch wrestling a lot but a lot of days where where we do for sure yeah okay uh yeah i mean back in the day i used to watch way 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 more um i don't get to watch as much as i would like but i still watch Still watch a lot, and I think for for the guys that are in like David's and JD's role, like 
you're watching a ton of it. And they watch it on their personal time too because um, we love it. So we get to watch a lot of it in person. And it's great because you can catch up very quickly on anything you miss because of YouTube and flow. And it's all One around. of my favorite things is when like Bray's watching a match and you just like look over their shoulder and you're like, oh, I remember this match. This match was awesome. Next thing you know, for the next 10 minutes, you're watching that match. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, with that, we thank you guys so much for listening to 666 episodes. We got through it. Wow. No problem. We'll Happy see July 1st. July 4th. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, USA. You're a grand old flag. Hope you guys have a great weekend. I'll be gone next week. No FRL for me. I'm on vacay. Um, I'll still be around. I'll be watching. I'll be making sure JD and whoever else is on the show with him. Um, talk too much trash or try to take my job organize any coups while i'm away i know that uh you know i got my eye on jd you know i know keep your friends close and jd closer keep your robed uh you know your robe closer yeah exactly keep your robe open okay and with that (laughs) we will go thank you so much bye